All right, this morning, just going to read from, from Acts, the second chapter. And, and actually, actually, we're going to continue uh, with, uh, with what we were sharing yesterday about love and light. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to trust God that he's going to put these, these two things together so that we can have them in a, in a really full way uh, together on Thursday. And I'll probably even do some of it uh, tomorrow on Tuesday and possibly Wednesday night, but definitely on, on uh, Thursday morning also. But here, uh, in Acts, the second chapter, it's very interesting when you read Acts, the second chapter, uh, this, is when, this is when God is, is what fulfilled that incredible thing that he promised to give to his son, and that's us, the church. You see that in Acts, the second chapter. And many, as we have said before, will say that the church began in Acts, the ninth chapter, 13th chapter. Some will even say the 22nd or the 26th chapter. The truth and preponderance of the scriptures reveal very clearly that it did begin in Acts, the second chapter. So here is the very beginning of that local assembly. And of course, God began that work before he raised up the Apostle Paul to give him all of that specific truth. He did that. He, he raised up the Apostle in Acts, the ninth chapter, and he, he did that in, in the ninth chapter, and then proceeded through all those epistles, and some say that they're the epistles of Paul, when they're the epistles of Jesus Christ given to Paul and given to us as that Apostle. But it's very interesting here, even in the beginning times, right in the midst, right in the midst, and we brought out yesterday how in the church of Corinth, how some of the most incredible truths were brought out in the midst of Corinth. And Corinth, that city, was extremely depraved, entered into debauchery of, of everything that you could think of back then. And that's when Paul, the apostle, that's when God gave him the epistle to the Romans. He gave it to him right in the city of Corinth because he was witnessing all of that corruption, all of that evil that was going on there, even then. And so we see here in, in Acts, the second chapter, we see this is where God began that church, the most special, uh, intimate place that any human, any people group could ever or will ever experience for all eternity. So he began that in Acts, the second chapter. And again, all of this, we, we've been taught that the world system began with the rejection and murder of Jesus Christ. That's when it began. That began Literally, the, the seeds of it began in Genesis, the third chapter. Finally, then, in Genesis chapter 4, in verses 16, right to the end of that chapter, but specifically in verse 21, so we have uh, 16 to 21 and 22, Cain, it says, he went out from the presence of God and he built a city. That whole city was built on, which is the world system, was built on the murder 
hatred and rejection of God himself. <laughs> That's the whole world system. Now, right in the midst, right in the midst of that, we see here in Acts, the second chapter, he, God begins to, began to form the church himself. Also, and he did that, he began to form, bring those people together before Paul had even received Christ as his Savior. We know he did that in Acts, the ninth chapter. We, you can see it clearly based upon the fifth and sixth verse of Acts, based upon uh, first, uh, 2 Corinthians uh, 12 and verse 3. So we see those, those truths that are so beautifully uh, and, and, and they're really incredibly brought out. Also, too, there are, there are many, and we're going to tie all these things together, but there are many that would believe and have taught that it would be the, that was given to the Apostle Paul to give the church away to Christ. Well, if you read Ephesians 5, 26 and 27, he presents the church to himself. No man is equal to that. No man would be equal to that. It's something only that, that Christ could do. And that's what it ma- he makes it very, very clear he pre- so that he might present it to himself. Now, in Acts, the second chapter here, we see this very clearly here. The church is begin to be formed, and it was formed with Jews that left Judaism and received Christ. They left the legalism of the law because the law we know in Romans 7, 12 is holy, just, and good, but it just brings out that sin nature, and that's what the law was given to do, to bring out the sin nature to, to, to individuals to show them that they could do nothing apart from Christ in John 15, 1 to 5. So here in Acts, the second chapter, right away he begins, he, he is, is Peter, the apostle Peter, and he's bringing out, these truths to these Jews. He's bringing that out to them. Okay? And, and this is what he says in Acts chapter 2 and verse 32. It says, This Jesus, this one, this one and this only, has God raised up, whereof we are all witnesses. We all have been given this phenomenal testimony. Therefore, being by the right hand of God exalted, and having received of the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit, of course, that again is John 14, 16, and 17, the fulfillment of that promise to give us this other comforter that we need while we're on the earth. And thank God, we, again, as we've been taught, we have Christ in heaven. And in Romans 8, verse 34, and Hebrews 7, verse 25, and in Hebrews 9, and verse 24, he intercedes for us from a place where he comforts us. In heaven, because we need him to always keep our view heavenly. And when it's not, and when we need help on the earth, he's given us the Holy Spirit, that other comforter. So we have these two comforters, thank God. We're bookend. We are so completed in Christ. So here, again, he he raised up Christ, set him at his own right hand, and sent down the Holy Spirit, the promise of the Holy Spirit. Now, verse 34 in Acts 2, it says, For David is not ascended into the heavens, but he himself said, The Lord said unto my Lord, Sit you at my right hand, until I make your foes, your enemies, your footstool. 
Therefore, let all the house of Israel know assuredly that God has made that same Jesus whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ. Both Lord and Christ, the Messiah. Verse 37. Now, when they heard this, they were pricked in their heart. They were pricked in their heart and said unto Peter and to the rest of the apostles, men and brethren, what will we do? That's a question. What will we do? What will we do? Then Peter said unto them, change your mind, repent, do an about face. Stop relying on yourself and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission, the canceling, the doing away of sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit as proof of your salvation. Now here's what it says. For the promises unto you and to your children and to all that are afar off, even as many as the Lord our God will call. Now here's verse 40. So we have, we've been given all of this truth and we've been given far more than what these men even began to have right here. We've been given all of this because all of that was given to the Apostle Paul. And that's why he said, I don't count my life dear unto me so that this can, can be given, can be given to the church in Acts 20 and verse 24. He said in verse 27, I have not shunned, and this is what's missing today in so much preaching and teaching. And we're going to see why. He said, I have not shunned from declaring unto you all the gospel of God, the gospel of Christ. And when you follow that through, you're going to see by the time you get to the 32nd verse, Paul said, I commend you. And, and we're going to see if we don't get to it today what that word commend means. But he said, I commend you to God and to the word of his grace. Now, who's the word of his grace? Obviously, it's Jesus Christ. He didn't commend him to any man. He didn't commend him to a pastor. He didn't commend the church to a board of elders, deacons, pastors. He never did that. He commended them to God. And by doing so, this is an amazing protection. Now, with giving this, all of this to us, this is what he said finally now, after he's revealing the truth up to, the, up to and through the 39th verse, look what it says in verse 40. And with many other words did he testify and exhort. And Peter did this in a way where he hadn't even arrived fully at the preaching and teaching of the Apostle Paul. He didn't even arrive. That's why he said in 2 Peter 3 and verse 16, he said, boy, some of the things that were given to our beloved brother Paul, they just seem so hard to understand. Yeah, and what makes it hard is when we mix our thoughts with God's thoughts. And we're going to see what happens as a result of that. So then it says this, and with many other words in Acts 2 and verse 40, did he testify and exhort, saying, Save yourselves from this what? This untoward generation. Boy, is that a word, this untoward generation. If that was true, and every generation has it been that? Outside of Christ in the world system, has it been an untoward generation? And do you know why? 
And we're going to see it clearly. We'll, we'll get into it much in a much greater way in these following days. I really believe Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday, even in Friday, we'll get into this in detail. And I'll tell you why. Because when you don't have a single eye with Christ, and that's understanding the full gospel. When you don't have a single eye, in Matthew 6 and verse 22, when you don't have a single eye, when it's Christ alone, then every man will do that which is right in his own eyes. Meaning, you can even be a believer, take the scripture, do it in your own eyes, and become, do it what is right in your own eyes, when you don't even have understanding of that, and that's what we, the enemy, desires for God's people to be, those that, have, that are in Christ, he desires them to be their own self-interpreters. The only way we can interpret without Christ is under the prince and power of the air in Ephesians 2.2. There's no, no two ways about it. So we all do, Christians, <laughs> they take the word outside of a local assembly, and they just do whatever's right in their own eyes. They have their schedules. They have the time that they do things. A plethora of things are far more important than the very Word of God and prayer. Everything takes precedence over that. I marvel at it when I see it. I, and if it was an untoward generation... And it started in Genesis, the fourth chapter. The actual production of it. The thought of it started in Genesis, the third chapter. The production of that world system began in the fourth chapter. If it was bad then, if it was bad then to the point that God said in Genesis 6, 5 and 8, 21, the very thought of man, his thought, doing what's right in his own eyes is only what? Evil continually. The plan, listen to this, the plans, the desires, everything, the whole thought is only evil continuously. And they'll do what's right in their own eyes. Because you see, the word of God came, and it came completely apart from the will of man. You see that again in 2 Peter 1 and verse 21. It completely did away from that. He says, he says, save yourself from this untoward generation. Let me ask you, do, do we think that this generation that we are in right now is far worse than it's ever been? Because it is. It is deceptively and evilly far worse than it's ever, ever been. I'm going to tell you why. Because even Christians, with a little bit of the word, they will do what is right in their own eyes. And they will live in self-justification of it. Now, we do that when we live in the flesh, any of us. We do that. You know, even here, and it began in Genesis, the third chapter. But again, here it says this. Save yourselves, deliver yourselves from this untoward generation. We're going to get into the detail of these things soon. Look at verse 31. It says, then they that gladly received his word gladly received the preaching and teaching of the word so that they, were, they, they knew they weren't their own. When you, when you and I do what is right in our own eyes, okay, we lose fact, we, lose, we forget God and forget the fact that he owns us because he redeemed us, he bought us. In 1 Corinthians 6, 19 and 20, we're not our own. We're not our own. But boy, we do. 
We think we are our own. We do. That started way back in Genesis, the third chapter. Right away. And how do we do that? How do we do what's right in our own eyes? We forget God, forget our proper image, forget our proper identification. You know, that's what happened in Genesis, the third chapter. The guilty first man, when he was found out, when he was found out, you know what he did? He attempted to excuse or excuse himself and for his sin, wouldn't be accountable, refused to be responsible, and he blamed, he entered into the blame game, literally before an omniscient God. Making excuses. Oh, like Christians today. Oh, my God. Excuses not to hear the word. Excuses not to have prayer. I mean, it, it's just mind-blowing to me. It just, it just it, the things, I mean, come on. What is it that we put before the word of God? I'll tell you what it is. Our own schedule based upon our own eyes and what we think is right. It's the truth. They, it, listen. As a believer, there is no proper order individually in your life outside of a local assembly. I just want to make that crystal clear. And there's a government, a way of God's government and protection and a loving father in a local assembly. Some think they get a handful, a handful of years of teaching and now they're free to just, you know, they know what they're doing now. <laughs> oh boy. It's like I had a visitor here for a little while, came once, loved it, never saw him again because he was busy doing what was right in his own eyes. Make excuses. That's all we will do in our own eyes. Uh, doing things in our own eyes is just an excuse to live in the lust of the flesh and excuse everything we know about the Word of God and just forget Him. Forget Him. And again, listen. The truth of the matter is, do we have so much in Christ? Listen, I'll tell you how much we have in Christ. If you want to know the positive truths about what we have in Christ, how much he loves us, the gifts that he's given us, go to the website and look at those, look at those what are called devotionals, and you will have plenty, plenty, all kinds of that truth. All kinds of it. But do you think the enemy wants you to experience it? To live in it? To have fellowship? To have fellowship. To have fellowship. The guiltless, the guiltless second man, Christ, never justified himself in a thing. He, literally, God in humanity, he always did the things that pleased the Father. In John 8 and verse 29. Isn't that interesting? He always did that in Romans 15 and verse 3. He always did those things. But if you look at Romans 15, verse 3, look at the fourth, fourth verse. Look at the fourth verse. Think about the, when we even think about the things that have our eye outside of Christ, think of the preparation that we put in to do those things that aren't even of Christ. Think of it. And we will put preparation and discipline goes, goes into that involvement. But to hear the word of God, oh my God, to hear it, to have it for, for the time that we have it, that we have on earth, it's amazing to me. He, Christ never justified himself. 
He did not justify himself even before an unrighteous human judge. All he did was hold his peace. You see that in John 19, verse 9. He didn't have to answer him a thing. He didn't have to justify himself. You know, God does not have to justify himself to us. He does not. But we will make, in the flesh, we will make every excuse to do it before a perfectly loving, deeply loving, righteous Father who is no longer our judge, but our loving Father. But we will treat him that way. You, you see that. He, you know, Christ didn't answer a thing. Now, we're going to get into it, and we have to close very soon here this morning. But everyone did that which was right in his own, own eyes. Let me give you a few scriptures about that. That's Deuteronomy 12 and verse 8. That's Judges 17 and verse 6. That's Judges uh, 21 and verse 25. And uh, that's Proverbs 16 and verse 2, I believe. And that's Proverbs 21 and verse 2. And it's all based upon, and we can see it in Isaiah 6, 8. What was the message that he gave gave Isaiah to the backslidden people that God loved and had done so much for? What was the message? Go tell them. That you're going to have ears to hear, but you're not going to hear. You're going to refuse it. And you're going to have eyes to see. You're going to declare it, but you won't receive it. So you won't see because your eyes not single. Because everything in our life is brought down and reduced down to Jesus Christ and Him alone. Because if it's anything else, if it's anything else, it's you and I using, using even the word to do what's right in our own eyes. It amazes me. Truly amazes me. And, and it can amaze me in my own life as, as God counsels me and deals with me. But you know, when Adam, and this is what we'll do, Adam, even when he couldn't cover what he refused to deal with, he sought to excuse it or make excuses for his sin. You know how many times we make excuses? Do you know how many times? You know, remember the rich young ruler? He, he wouldn't follow Jesus. You know why? He had, too much, he had too much money on his mind. Isn't that interesting? You know, one thing that replaces Christ, one thing that replaces that word, come and hear it, one thing is doing what's right in your own eyes. You mean to tell me God wouldn't arrange our schedules? I don't care what they are. And to give us this truth? Seriously? Seriously. Nope. He wouldn't do it. And he does it. Listen, the local assembly literally is the place of his loving protection. It just is. That's where he does it. Not in your own schedule. No. Not in your own desires. No. Delight yourself. What do you think Psalm 37 verse 4 means? Delight yourself in the Lord. No, it's this thing, it's that thing, it's here, it's there, it's doing this thing, it's doing that thing. No, delight yourself in the Lord. Make Him your complete delight. And then He will give you the desires of your heart. You won't try and find Him on your own. Because when He gives you proper desires, (laughs) that desire that He gives you is the very cause that leads to the effect of you rolling all your care on Him in 37 verse 5 of Psalms. Boy, oh boy. It just, you know, Christ never pleased himself. Never. 
He did not please himself. He did not do it. Do we? Is it our schedule? Is it the blessings that God gives us that now take precedence over other things? I don't think so. I don't think so. And he teaches us and he tells us this. Why do you, is he condemning us? And, and is he against us when he says, save yourself from this untoward generation? <laughs> is, he, is he being hard? Or is he being loving with conviction and protection? And even when we don't discern and judge the flesh in us, then he, with his love for us in Christ, will chastise that area that we live in disobedience. I, I, it's just so different today than it was, honestly, five years ago, ten years ago. I, I can remember, and I've said this before, I can remember when men, when I would have 40 men, you would teach a class for an hour. you teach a class for an hour, and they wouldn't leave after we'd stand in the hall and they'd, they'd be standing around. And because they were hearing and listening and receiving, it caused others to do it. They started coming around. It's very infectious. It is. In a very, very beautiful way. Save yourself. Save yourself from this untoward generation. Well, because he loves us. And the way to do it is they gladly receive the word. Do you see that? That's what saves us from living in this world system. It's the only thing. It's the only thing. We don't put a single thing ahead of God. We don't put a single thing in the privacy of our own desires and plans ahead of a local assembly. I, I mean, honestly, this, the only thing that God's doing right now, literally on this earth right now, is taking people out of the world and putting them into the body of Christ and hopefully in right local assemblies to have the full orb of teaching and preaching in Christ. But you know what keeps it back? You know what keeps back the preaching and teaching is the hunger and desire of people. People don't want it. God going to force feed you? No. He just won't do it. He, he won't do it. But he loves us. And he, his love never changes. And his grace never changes. Ever. Ever, never. It never does. It never does. But to save ourselves, listen, if, what generation are we living in right now? It is utterly frightening. Not for us in Christ, but the generation is. How do I live separate from it? You mean I go back into it? Oh, God help us. God help us. God help us from, from having a, a private plan based upon our own thinking, even apart from the local assembly. I don't, I mean, if you even, you and I even understand how the body of Christ operates in 1 Corinthians, the 12th chapter, I mean, if we, and then in Ephesians 4, 4 through 6, all the way through to the end of that fourth chapter in verse 32. And then if you, if you walk in his order, what are you walking in the fifth chapter? You walk in his love. It's just very simple. And this is God's protection for us. His discipline, like you would discipline a child, because, because your love is seeking to protect them. And that's what God's doing with his precious word. And boy, oh boy, I, 
I don't know, but I think some things are going to drastically change in my schedule. I really do. I really do. Because I'm going to refuse to prepare the Word. Because I do. And I'm just being honest with you. I, it takes a lot. It takes a lot. These aren't just flippant messages you just throw out there. It takes a lot of deep study. And it's all by grace and it's all by God. But you know what? No. Not, I'm not going to do it. If some people, literally, people, listen, people don't want it, fine. That's fine. That's fine. That is fine. I'll take the two or three because that's what Jesus said. You know what? That's success. I want to make it clear. If you think numbers are indicative of success, I got news for you. All through the Bible, it's the opposite. Where two or three are gathered together in my name, not in your own name, not your own schedule, not your own desires, but in my name, there am I in the midst. There he is. And what do you suppose that is? Loving protection. Father, bless the word this morning in Jesus' name. Amen.